On today's episode of the LNL podcast, Brandon and I talk with Connor McMakin. He's a new pastor in Michigan, and we discuss with him thoughts on being a new pastor, things that maybe we have forgotten if we have been in the pastorate for a long time. We also discuss with him how he's intending to implement meaningful membership in his congregation and how he's attempting to cultivate a thinking congregation. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the London Lyceum, where we hope to encourage our listeners to think deeply and clearly about issues. And today we have a very special guest in Connor McMakin. He's a personal friend of mine. Uh, one of my best friends. I think we were both in each other's weddings. I think he was my best man. So I, he was my best <laughs> okay. man. Uh, I, I got to thank you for it. <laughs> Love you, man. Love well, you, man. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, our listeners, you're in for a treat uh, with Connor. Uh, we're really interested and excited. Uh, I know I say I'm excited about everybody, but I really am excited about uh, talking to you, Connor, about uh, pastoring theologically and all things related to that. So I guess in a way, this might be competition for the Pastor Well podcast. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, <laughs> well, first, let me say uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for the invite. I'm happy to do it. And uh, I don't know if I'm up to York status yet, but uh, maybe maybe one day we'll get there. Yeah. Well, again, I'm Jordan Stefaniak, one of your hosts. And I'm Brandon Askew, one of your hosts. And Connor, for those of us who don't know you, which based on your Twitter following is probably everyone, why don't you give us a little <laughs> introduction you. about who you are and where you are? Great. So, um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm Connor McMakin. I'm a pastor here in Spring Lake, Michigan at the First Baptist Church, Spring Lake. Um, grew up in the same town, actually spent a few years in the same church as Jordan. Um, your host or one of your hosts, I should say. Um, then he went one way to college. I went another way, went to the University of Oklahoma, got an undergraduate there. Um, then I got to West Michigan. I'm on the coast uh, or the, the western side of Michigan next to the water there in Lake Michigan. But I got here by way of Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. So um, finishing up my MDiv there and um, started pastoring here at a smallish Baptist church, um, June 30th was my first Sunday. So been here a few months now and drinking from a fire hydrant and <laughs> learning a lot, but, uh, God's good. And, um, yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. So Connor, do you have a favorite sport? Um, favorite sport that I play or favorite sport that I watch? Both. Okay. So I'm a golfer. I've been, golfing since I was six years old. My dad taught me. Um, I like to think I'm okay. Uh, but to, but yeah, to watch the fact that you want to scramble that I played with you tells people that you're pretty good. <laughs> well, we didn't have to bring that up, but you did. So, um, no, no. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good activity pastime of mine. It sometimes I like to go play alone because it kind of gives me, um, a breather, if you will, from, the busyness. I've got two young girls, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and a, an amazing wife. So busy guy, but sometimes uh, golf is a good getaway. Um, as far as watching sports, I'm a big college football fan, a big football fan in general, but um, obviously I pull for my alma mater pretty heavily uh, in, the, in the Oklahoma Sooners. So. You have an NFL team? Uh, you know, 
I, I, I was born in Oklahoma and um, typically you've got either Cowboys fans, Chiefs fans, or Broncos fans there. And I, I just loved Cowboys because they were winning all the time in the early nineties and, and, and won a Super Bowl with Barry Switzer. So, um, you know, I'm all about the, uh, the all about the Cowboys. Day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. So Connor, you, you recently started this church and, and I saw that you've been finding some like history information about the history of it. Um, I'm just curious for our listeners. I think they'll probably be very intrigued about what you've been learning uh, about it. And I think even Jake Stone, one of our friends who's been on the podcast, uh, connected with you on connecting some dots. So why don't you walk us through a little bit of the history of this church that you're at now? Yeah. So um, back in 1867, right? Um, we just celebrated our 152nd um, wow. year. Uh, they, yeah, they celebrated. They had a 150 year, a little bit of a celebration. Um, obviously, a couple of years ago, I wasn't here yet. But um, back in the 60s, they did uh, basically a centennial celebration. And I was thumbing through some of these documents and found out, um, you know, nine people, nine charter members, uh, the first, literally the first Baptist church. <laughs> That's why we call it that, right? Um, in the region, in the, in the entire county, actually, where we're at, we're in Ottawa County, um, Michigan. And uh, upon our uh, constitute, constituting, uh, upon our covenanting together, we had joined the um, Grand River Association of Baptist Churches, which at the time was a part of the Northern Baptist Convention. And yeah, it was a little help from our friend, uh, Pastor Jake Stone. Um, we were we were able to identify that this church was a confessional church at its founding. It was actually the New Hampshire Baptist Confession of Faith, um, which is what, um, yeah, which is what that uh, Grand Rapids, excuse me, the Grand River Association of Baptist Churches, um, you know, covenanted with. That, that that was their Articles of Faith, the the, the New Hampshire Confession. So uh, digging that up is really helpful because you know, as we as we pastor, as we try to get our congregation to think about um, things theologically, think about their life, think about, um, how to do church and how to live as a Christian, you know, we, we've got to be good theologians. So, um, you know, introducing them to that is a lot easier <laughs> when you can say, Hey, this is our history, you know? So 150 years ago, this is what we were founded on. And, you know, I'm a big believer in honoring those that came before us because what you honor, you uh, replicate. Um, I didn't come up yeah. with that. Saw it on Twitter once. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Twitter, so if you side note, if you deactivate your account for thirty days, that erase everything. Um, so, you know that's why I'm a little low on the following right yeah, now. Yeah, is that so. why you have twenty followers? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, maybe, maybe. But you know, I'm on a podcast now, so it's big time. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, it's a podcast it. where only my family members listen. So it's sure, not that sure. <laughs> you got to start somewhere, man. Yeah, no, no, I love it. It's good. Um, so you mentioned you started back in June. So you just, just a few months that you've been, um, mm. been the pastor and, and my understanding is you're not just new at, at that church. That's your first pastorate. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it is. It yeah, is. So, so what are some of the things that, you know, being a new pastor, um, do you have any surprises or anything maybe some stuff that stays at the forefront of your mind that you're always thinking about um, is, you know, some of these guys who've been pastoring for 30, 40 years, um, a lot of it just comes as, you know, second nature by that point. But for newer pastors, uh, things can be 
full of surprises. And, and, uh, so just tell us a little bit about, you know, what it's like being brand new at a church and brand new to a new calling. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, Emily and I, my wife and I, we spent five years, um, in Louisville, that's, you know, big seminary town. There's a Baptist church in every corner. And most of those Baptist churches are pretty solid. Even the, uh, even the lay people, you know, have a, have a decent handle, uh, theologically, even if, you know, you're not agreeing with them on hundred percent of things they are still just, you're in that culture. Right. Uh, but when you get out of that bubble, um, it's real life. And honestly, I was, a, I don't want to say I was disappointed, but it was a little taken aback that, um, you know, the folks around here, they just, you know, haven't been, um, introduced to, to that culture. They haven't been introduced to that kind of thinking, um, necessarily. Um, you know, one example is in one of our first elders meetings, I brought up, um, some issues with membership that I had noticed early on. And even with some of the elders, um, they had even admitted, you know, we haven't really thought about this stuff. We haven't thought this through. Um, so, you know, that's just a small example and, and, you know, they're gracious. They're, we're going to work through it together, but, um, yeah, that's kind of the first thing, you know, maybe, um, that I was surprised by, but, you know, other than that, it's, it's, you're just, I would advise just, just for the first few months, whatever time period you put on yourself, just learn, learn your people, um, learn how things work. Um, obviously devote a lot of time to your preaching, but you just got to learn how the systems, you know, in, in your, in your congregation, in your church, how that organism kind of functions. Um, Cause then you'll know how to, you then you know where to go and who to go to when, um, when you need something. So. That's a really good reminder. I think um, yeah. for all of us, especially I, I'm sure that we probably have quite a few um, new ish pastors, at least right now, listening to the podcast uh, as far as our, like, I guess, demographic goes just by our age. Yeah. Um, and the fact that probably the only people who know that this exists are on Twitter. And I would say that the probably average age is a little bit lower on that. Uh, though not saying that there aren't older people on there. There are. Um, but I just think the people we've connected with are younger. So that's, sure. that's helpful. Um, yeah. And, and if you don't mind, I, I just was thinking of this analogy, you know, in, in a new place, in a new church. Um, and look, I, I have, I don't have all the answers at all, but some observations I've made is, you're going to get a lot of pitches. And now we're going to a baseball analogy. You're going to get a lot of pitches. You're going to get a lot of, of opportunities thrown your way. And honestly, you got to be selective in which ones you, you know, swing at, right? Um, if you've got a curveball that's coming in, you're like, uh, I, don't, I don't know how the church will respond to that. I don't, I don't know how successful I'm going to be if I try to take this, try to swing at this pitch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you got to get that low hanging fruit, right? The bell tie fastball, you know, inner, inner half. I mean, and you easy win, right? You, you, you take those or you're, you swing at those. Um, you know, cause sometimes it's good for, for you to get the, the pitch count of that church up a little bit before, <laughs> before you start really trying to usher in your, your agenda. Um, but you know, I think that's, that kind of goes into the, the same idea of not sacrificing the future on the altar of the immediate. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, you see as, as a new pastor, at least you think you have the plan that you want to take the church to, you know, what direction you want to go in. But, you know, I, I've heard stories about guys who kind of jeopardized that early on because, yeah. you know, they, they swung at those curveballs, right? Yeah. So, uh, early on. And, 
so that that's one thing that I've learned in however many months I've been here, two, three months. So, yeah. And that's something that, you know, at the church that, that I'm on staff at, you know, I'm not the teaching pastor. Um, I'm just there part time, but you know, in conversations that I've had with um, the pastor, you know, he's, he said he's been there nine years now and um, this, the church is, I, I don't know, maybe six years, seven years old, but um, he's the longest tenured pastor they've ever had. Um, and I think wow. that's similar to maybe, maybe in Louisville. I don't know, but around here, you know, you have a lot of guys. That come in for some... Sorry. <laughs> going to pretend like that. Hour. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're close to a seminary. So you have a lot of these guys coming in and then, you know, they'll take a pastor, but when they finish seminary, they, they leave. So churches are very, um, excuse me, the people in the churches are, uh, very hesitant to buy into somebody's agenda and vision like day one. So, you know, something that the, that our pastors, you know, reminded me similar to what you said, you know, the beginning is just about getting to know people, loving the people. And then, you know, once you, you build their trust, it's not like you're trying to deceive them, you know, you, Oh, I've gained their trust. But once you've, you've, you've built up the trust, you know, they're going to follow you and, and listen, you know, to what you, what you think is the best path forward for the church. Um, and I just, I've heard some horror stories from, you know, young pastors who come in just guns ablaze and whether it's on the Calvinism issue or on, you know, deacons versus elders and all this stuff, yeah. you know, I mean, that are, those are important things, but you know, it's, uh, it's not something that you, f- you got to feel like you got to come in and fix everything on day one. Um, so that's, that's really good advice. Yeah. Pastoral and relational equity. You got to build that up <laughs> yeah, and, then, rem- and then, and then cash in on it when the time's right. It yeah. reminds me of uh, something. I don't remember who said it, but I was at a nine marks conf- uh, weekender and it was mentioned, just remember we love people more than we love our methods or mm. we love our correct theology. Um, like our correct, I guess, outworking of our correct theology. Mm. Um, Cause I think it's right to love God more than it is to, I don't think you can't, you can't, can't, you can't put them in competition, but the point was you got to love your people. So don't be so much like, you know, like uh, taken with, this is how it must be done that you start hurting people. Uh, So I think that's really, a really good reminder. And that really segues well into a question I had for you is I think one of the things that you've wanted to do with this, with this church that you you've uh, come into is to serve them and encourage them by, moving them toward uh, having a, a greater theology and level of thinking uh, as church members. So making sure that they're being educated, that they're thinking through their, their theological problem, thinking through their life theologically. So what does that look like so far uh, for you? And what are the, your plans uh, for how to cultivate a thinking mindset in your church? Yeah. Um... Well, good question. I think I'm going to answer it really practically. Um, obviously, I, th- I think we, I think we understand at least the listeners of this podcast. I don't need to justify, you know, the the importance of of growing in your knowledge of God. I mean, we've got Colossians one ten, um, what pleases the Lord, what's pleasing to Him, uh, bearing fruit and good works and increasing in the knowledge of God. We 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 understand that, but okay, how do you how do you do how do you actually do that, right? So. Um, I'm jumping into a church. Um, great. I mean, just great, solid church. I mean, they're prayer, prayer warriors. Um, they love the Lord. 
they want uh, more of God's word, right? They they are are you know starving for it. I, they, I've been told this, so the Lord's been preparing this church for this even before I got here, which I'm I'm just ecstatic for and grateful for. But but working that out practically, um, you know, they don't have or have not had that kind of um, theological teaching, uh, Bible teaching um, in recent years. So it, it's almost brand new to them. Um, so what my associate and I, a great guy, love, I mean, he's, he and I are, are work really well together. Um, but we've kind of just started our study hour. It, it's a synonym for Sunday school. Um, and we're, we're basically starting, you know, from like Christianity 101. Okay. What are the core doctrines of the faith? And then building from that, uh, we're gonna do seven weeks on that, seven weeks on, okay, discipleship. What does it mean now that you're a Christian? You know, you're moving from your your milk, right? And and actually getting discipled and then being a disciple and how you, you know, we're training them to, to replicate that in our body. And then a little bit later on, um, we're gonna be doing, you know, seven weeks on church membership, right? So we're kind of building... Mm-hmm. our our program for the first you know six months or so a little less than that from baby steps all the way you know hopefully to mature church membership so we're kind of walking them through at least in this this first year six months or so um just kind of a, a progress of maturity um and hopefully when we get to the early spring when we do that uh course if you will on church membership you know, they'll, they'll already understand the importance of it. Um, so, and that starts, you know, obviously from the pulpit, but obviously as you're progressing through, um, you know, ba- even Baptist distinctives, you know, that that's helpful in understanding church membership when we think about, you know, who is a Christian and then who is a church member. So just out of curiosity, um, you mentioned the study hour and you're, you're um, doing the Christianity 101. Did you write your own curriculum for that or are you using something that I've, I'm referencing, um, I've got the book in front of me, actually, it's on my desk here. Um, I'm referencing a book called um, Now That I'm a Christian by Michael Patton or C. Michael Patton. Um, Crossway published it. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a good, I'm referencing, I'm not going to use it word for word um, because I need to, obviously you need to um, uh, jerry rig it for your context and your setting, but I really like how there's some doctrine and the whole first half is doctrine, right? And then kind of the second half um, of the book hashes that out to um, kind of from your practice, excuse me, from your theology and then to your practice, um, how you're living that theology out. So uh, that's, that's the main reference that I'm using for that course. Um, so far it's been really good. So I would, I would definitely recommend it. So it's now that I'm a Christian, subtitle what it means to follow jesus um so that's what i'm working with for now so i think in a big way you know your push for making sure your members are thinking really coincides with what uh at least nine marxists would call meaningful membership yeah how exactly are you going about instituting meaningful membership what is meaningful membership why does it matter uh, I know those are a lot of questions, but I think the <laughs> point is, didn't you just post something on Twitter? It was like a, a booklet or something that you put together about a membership class or something. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah, absolutely. So obviously I, I hope most of our churches have a formal setting for a Sunday school or a classroom setting. And, you know, what you saw on Twitter was our, our actual membership, new membership class. So yeah, you're going to be teaching this to your congregation, but for anybody entering into your church, um, I mean, I hope you're, you're teaching the importance of church membership. Yeah, it's a time to introduce them to the church, the history, the, the, the beliefs, uh, the vision, direction, you know, places to serve, and then membership expectations. But I started this class. Session one of this class was church membership. What is it? Who is it for? Why is it important? Um, so hopefully, as more people join the church and we're filling our pews, filling our congregation they're they're already getting this at least some on the front end and um you know that's one way obviously i mean another i mentioned it before but you know even in preaching i know that this church that i've been called the shepherd i I know that that's something that i need to figure out how i can apply the text to obviously doing that faithfully um i'm not just gonna apply the text where it doesn't make sense right um but for example i i just a, when I started here, I did eight weeks in the Lord's Prayer. And when you think about the, the, the Lord's Prayer, what does that have to do with membership? Well, on the forefront, maybe it doesn't look like it does, but if you really, um, if you really dissect that text, it, it's, it brings out the, the kingdom living, or it brings out the, the, the responsibility that we have to God and to each other and the implications of that. I mean, the, the prayer says our father, right? We're a family. Um, Later on, it says, give us, we, we pray for the whole, you know, uh, forgive us. So what, uh, we, we confess as a whole and then lead us. We strive for holiness together. This is a, this is a family thing, right? So a church that has covenanted together to, to, to live this out, to live this prayer out can, can actually be an answer to each other's prayer. In fact, we have the responsibility to do so. So how that ties into to membership, right? It's, we're supposed to be people living in a kingdom, not of this world, right? We have the responsibility to determine, first of all, who the us is, right? Who, who is us? Who's the us in the Lord's prayer? Who is the hour in the Lord's prayer? Uh, it's people who confess God as father and Christ as Lord, right? So, um, you know, in short, it's kind of uh, more in detail than maybe I meant to go, but with preaching, it's really about identifying where you can faithfully apply the true meaning of the text, right? To your congregation in whatever season. Right now, in our particular season, you know, that's something that I'm not necessarily saying, okay, I've got to talk about membership in this text. But if I see it there, I'm going to shepherd the flock. I'm going to apply um, the text to that area where, you know, I think hopefully we'll see growth in. But does that make sense, at least? I I think if I didn't ramble too much. No, it makes sense. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. And on on this topic, I'm curious, do you find or, or do you think, uh, any, there are any confessions of any sort uh, that would aid in this pursuit or uh, maybe analytic theology? Is that a tool that you would use uh, in your, your own pastoring and creating a context of meaningful membership uh, that is uh, interested in thinking deeply about the faith? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you want to just borrow from the second London, uh, I think it's is it chapter 26? It, it talks about the church, talks about uh, who is, who should be in the church, who is a member of the church, uh, the authority of the church. It, it's got, it's one of the larger, 
uh, maybe it's not the largest chapter, I don't think, but it's one of the largest sections of that confession. I mean, it goes through, um, you know, nine or 10 subsections of the chapter, um, maybe more than that, of, of the ins and outs of church membership, like I said, who the church is. So that's a good starting point, um, at least as far as the confession side of it. And you asked about um, supplying analytic theology. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, you think about, if I, my understanding of analytic theology is correct, of how you guys have defined it so far, you're need, you need to ask the right questions of the text, right? You need to ask the right questions both in the direct context, in the whole biblical theological context as well. And then you apply common sense to it almost. You apply logic and reason to it. So here, here's an example that, you know, I, I've recently even heard. Well, you know, I don't even think membership is in the Bible. The word membership is not in the Bible. Um, well, we hear that. We have to remember the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But we come to that conclusion. We come to that word because it's just assumed in the Bible. You know, it's, it's assumed in the New Testament. It's assumed in the Old Testament. Um, you know, as far as church membership, you think of the, the book of Acts. I mean, it's just loaded with, with references that, that we just have to assume they're talking about this concept of membership. Um, I mean, in Acts uh, 2, you've got Peter telling people to, be, to believe and then be baptized, right? This baptism is an identification with Christ. Um, you've got them actually keeping track of numbers and people being added to the number. I mean, it, to me, it indicates the church is counting, you know, they're counting heads and, and, and keeping record of that. I mean, they know who they are. Right. Um, I mean, I'm yeah, thinking the elders for, being responsible for the souls. Well, yeah, if, if you don't have membership, you don't know whose souls you're responsible for, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, and, 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 and that's a, I mean, that's a great example. And even in, even more in Acts, you've got Acts 6 where they they uh, call the deacons to serve the widows. Well, who are these widows? <laughs> where, where do they live? They, mm -hmm. you know, and even when Saul goes house to house before he was converted, and how do they know where the Christians lived? <laughs> they they must have had, I mean, it just makes sense. They had to have names and addresses, a list. You know, they, they were keeping records. So, I mean, you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 5. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big one we go to. How can you remove somebody? through church discipline, who's not already officially a part of them, right? So anyway, yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the broad New Testament as a whole, you, you have to assume that, that church membership is there. So um, asking those questions, well, how do they know where, how do they know? How do they keep, what are they, how are they keeping track of this? I mean, I think asking those kind of questions is applying that, those principles of, of analytic theology, if that's, if that's a, a decent way to answer that question. Yeah. I mean, I think that's perfect. Cause I mean, when you come to a topic like membership, unless you make the logical deductions, I don't know how you can get to a robust formal understanding of membership that most of us want and teach and believe uh, you need to apply these tools of logic and reason to get there. You see, as you've, you know, given the examples in acts, first uh, Corinthians, and Hebrews, uh, how do you do these things um, without this concept? So it's that's very much just using the tools of analytic philosophy to to deduce uh, theological position. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, and I would even add, I mean, you think about how 
church membership and the right understanding of it is so connected with ecclesiology. I mean, it, it, in, a, in some ways it really is <laughs> the, the main thrust of ecclesiology, but also how it connects to soteriology, how it connects to even missiology, how you do evangelism, how you do missions, how, how you're on mission together. Um, it touches so many areas of the Christian life that it, you almost have to see it as a system, right? Um, not to sound too, you know, uh, governed by that, but in a way, I, I want to be governed by that if it's, if it's being governed by, by what's revealed in the scriptures. So it just touches every area. And it, it, even your sacramentology, your ordinances, it, you know, church membership touches that, ecclesiology touches that, soteriology touches that. So it's, um, it, the more I, I'm, I'm looking at this and the more I'm studying this, it's, it's, it's one unit, right? It's one, it's one system, if you will, that um, if you take one piece out, again, you're like, oh, that, it, it, I'm, Jordan, you've mentioned this earlier. If you uh, take one piece out, you, that costs you something, right? Or if you make a, if you make a position or make a case or come to a decision about something, you're, that costs you something, right? So um, I think that was maybe your first episode that you talked about that, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, every, mentors, if you pull one of those, uh, if you pull one of those, um, what is that, Jenga? If you pull one of those yeah. um, legs out, it, it the whole system could topple over. Yeah, I was going to say one of my mentors. Uh, he he always said, "There's no free lunch," uh, and I think in a way that yeah. you know, pushing you to look for the costs in your views and see how it uh, can affect things. Um, one last question I have for you, Connor, before we let you go. Uh, now that you're in Michigan you are in like Dutch reformed American paradise. <laughs> so mm. why sh are, should you be ashamed to be a Baptist? Should you pretend that you're, should you just introduce yourself as I'm reformed <laughs> or is it, is it okay to mention that you're a Baptist? Uh, why, why should we be okay with being Baptists? Well, especially, especially in your reformed context. Yeah. Well, you know, at least in my area, I was a, if this goes back to the first question, I knew coming in that there was that, or there was supposed to be that Dutch reformed influence. Um, but I honestly, I, I haven't seen much of that. I've seen a lot of, um, unfortunately, kind of the seeker sensitive stuff. Um, the, you know, there's a, there's several, and this, is a, this is a very churched area, but it seems like most churches are doing the exact same thing. Um, they're trying to attract the same person, the same people and what is happening. And I've, I've talked to several people who have done this, you know, for a few years, they'll go to this church and then a few years, they'll go to this church and a few years, they'll go to that church. Um, and they will be interdenominational. They'll, they'll be, oh, I'm going to the Methodist church. I'm going to go to the Baptist church. I'm going to go to the, uh, Christian Reformed church. I'm going to go to the harvest church. You know, it, it's, it, people bounce around and it's causing this lateral church growth that, you know, I'd. I think we should try to <laughs> prevent that. And again, you know, one way you do that, we've already mentioned it, but is, is that meaningful church membership buy in, be covenanted together where you're at and don't leave, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, when things don't go your way. But so I, I haven't honestly seen a whole lot of, 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 you know, what I thought I might with the, with that reformed theology influence, so to speak. But um you know, to answer the question more directly, you know, I, I think you should uh, be strong in your Baptist convictions wherever you are. 
um, it's helpful for me that this is a Baptist church and they hired a Baptist. <laughs> so uh, that that's one thing that I've got going for me and that I know the confession that they were founded on, right? Um, but when you think about just our theological heritage, I mean, we've, I don't know, I mean, we think of John, John Bunyan, uh, some of the great names of, of the famous names of the, of even the Christian faith we have. Um, you know, we, we should John not Owen? think of, Oh, wait, John, no, no. <laughs> Did I say Owen? Spurgeon. I meant Bunyan. Um, yeah, Charles Spurgeon, uh, John, you know, some of these, these great thinkers, you know, and they have a lot to offer us even now. And so part of what I'm trying to do is say this church was founded on Baptist principles, and that's a good thing. Uh, because when I read the New Testament, I think, man, the Baptists got it most right, <laughs> you know, um, and there's nothing, if that's your conviction, if that's uh, what we believe, then, then let's, let's go for it full bore, you know, let's not, let's not like kind of shy away from it or, or, or be yes. embarrassed by it. In fact, we, we should be uh, all the more proud of it. You know, I, I've even told people before, this is kind of tongue in cheek, a little bit of a joke, but we kind of, I tell people we finished the Reformation. Like we, we were formed just a little bit further than everybody else. And everybody kind of stopped short of the, of the, of the finish line. I know it's sort of a joke, but in some ways I believe it's true, you know? Um, anyway, that's, uh, well, Al Muller would be proud of you. So know well, that. That's that, that's what I'm going for. Just so for, for, the, for Dr. For Muller those, to be proud of me. For those who are interested in connecting with you further, where can they connect with you? Um, Twitter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter, the McMakin tweets. It's just pretty, um, pretty easy. Um, I'm sure you'll tag me in something. I will. Um, that's my Twitter handle, McMakin tweets. It's a double entendre, you know. Um, so anyway, but uh, yeah, I'd love to interact and chat with you guys out there listening. And um, yeah, we'll. Well, terrific. We'll, uh, Connor, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you about pastoring and doing it theologically, particularly about, you know, training up our church to be thinking theologically, uh, practicing meaningful membership. And um, before I let you go, give me, give me one of your favorite theologians and what college football team they would be if they were a college okay. football team. Okay. So – Bear with me here. My reasoning, it, it, you got to go follow my train of thought. So there is a small, small town about 20 miles from the University of Oklahoma football stadium. It's the town of Pink, Oklahoma. All right. So just by that name association, I'm going to go with A.W. Pink. Uh, because, I mean, if, for those of you who live in Oklahoma, you just take Highway 9, south side of Norman, past Lake Thunderbird, and, and you're there. It's on the way to Shawnee, right? Uh, the so, middle of nowhere. It, it's the middle of nowhere, but it is named Pink. And now I, I, I could never prove where the town got its name from, but, I mean, it's Oklahoma. It's got to be. It's got to be A.W. Uh, that said, I've heard um, that while A.W. Pink has – you know, contributed some, some helpful theology. Um, I heard he was a little bit of kind of a offensive 
uh, to, to some people. He wasn't the nicest guy. So when you think about someone being offensive, you got to be thinking of <laughs> oh, the best offense in college football for the last four or five years. So um, that I think it just kind of connects there, you know. I hear um, it helps when you have SEC quarterbacks playing in your system, but <laughs> well, well, I don't think it matters what quarterback is playing in that system because you've got a guy that couldn't get uh, very many scholarships in Baker Mayfield. Who anyway? That's we, true. we could go down the rabbit trail, but I mean, another one that comes to mind. Um, a couple of my favorites, John Frame, right? He looks a lot like Chip Kelly. I mean, if you like, if you took Chip Kelly and added 20 years, so, I mean, John Frame might be UCLA. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I just got to give a shout out to, to Augustine. I mean, I think during my seminary years, I think I read him the most. And Jordan, you were, um, you may have taken that class too with uh, Dr. Haken. Um, I'm not sure if you, if you took uh, that one or not. I did not. Oh, you I should. Should. Yeah. But he, I, I Dr. Hagen, he tweeted earlier uh, this month. He said that early church gave us three main gifts, a formalized doctrine of the Trinity, a formalized canon, and Augustine. <laughs> it's a very well-crafted tweet from Dr. Hagen. So I guess Augustine right now would have to be Clemson because um, he's one of the best and they're the reigning champs. So you got to give him, got to give him that. So the reigning um, champs who almost lost. Uh, we almost got him, man. But oh. Connor, it's been a pleasure to have you on here. Uh, we encourage our listeners to check uh, to check in with you, to follow you, to connect with you, and we look forward to hearing how uh, the Lord works in your church that you're now a part of. And um, as you know, all of our listeners, you've been listening to the only confessional Baptist and analytic podcast on the planet. Uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe we'll hope that more come. I don't know. So wherever you're at, I encourage you to take a refreshing drink and discuss this with a friend. I don't know what that drink contains. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it should contain because uh, we're Baptists. We're Baptist. <laughs> but, but who said Baptists cannot be deep thinkers, right? That's right. So we've loved having you on here and we'll uh, connect with you soon. Take care. That was fun, guys. Thanks.